Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, it's Monique. Welcome to episode 116 of the Brown Vegan Podcast. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to talk about wellness topics and vegan entrepreneurship because this is so much more than food. It's such a lifestyle. And so I love to bring all of those different topics on here to share so that we can all learn and grow and live our best lives. To find out more about what I do and how I do it, check out my website at brownvegan.com. And also come hang out with me on Instagram. Let me know what you think of this episode of the show. I'm at Brown Vegan over there. So yes, today I am back with another guest for you. I have DeAsia Jones on the show. I actually met DeAsia, I feel like about a year or so ago on Instagram, we started following each other. And then what had happened was she started doing reels and really, 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 really put herself out there in that way. And so in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about why she started using reels on Instagram and how she's using them in a way to help grow her brand. She's going to share tips on how to keep it simple following some of the trends, how to decide some of the topics that you're going to do for your your reels and how to actually build your vegan business doing reels. And I think she just does a great job of breaking that down and share some really valuable tips. And one tip in particular, I know you guys are going to really appreciate. So I can't wait for you to listen to that part. Also in this conversation, we're going to talk about her decision to become vegan, raising vegan toddlers. We're also going to talk about her experience with having a home birth and also some of the things that have shifted in her life since she decided to be become a vegan. Just overall changes like meditation and just being conscious about every other aspect of your life. I think that's a nice byproduct of deciding to become vegan. So we're going to dive into all of that as well. Make sure you follow DeAsia on Instagram. She's DeAsia Jones over there. And also be sure to check out her Ultimate Beginner Guide and Recipe ebook that's also available on her Instagram. It's going to be linked on her bio. As always, all of the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode can be found at brownvegan.com under episode 116. And so, yes, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation. So when I think about my journey of becoming a vegan, it all started when I was younger and I was always like 
I feel like health and wellness was like always my thing. So when growing up, my my aunts, my uncles, my great my great aunts and uncles, all of them had health issues. So diabetes, obese, like all these different things. And I just looked at them and saw how they were suffering. And I knew for a fact, like I did not want to live that type of lifestyle. So my solution to that was like, I turned to sports. So I did track and played golf and like hiked and all that kind of stuff. And so for me, it was more of like, okay, to combat what they're going through, I'm going to do the physical piece. And it wasn't until like my teenage years that my friend actually introduced me to plant-based living. Like he challenged me and another friend to go a week like vegetarian, like leave the meat alone, leave the fish alone, just try to see what happens. And so I didn't even put two and two together about like the diet goes along with the lifestyle, but I was struggling in the beginning. Like I, I call myself a carpetarian. Because <laughs> oh, oh, I was I, a carpentarian girl, like I was eating cheese pizza, I was eating pasta, any which kind of way, because I did not know what to eat. Like I didn't put two and two together. Like plant based means like eat plants, not carbs. <laughs> <laughs> so then, what happened after that? Like how how long after that challenge did you decide to still try to do it, or how did that look for you? Like what when did it really happen as far as you becoming a vegan? So I took myself on like a self, self-guided self journey. So after that challenge, I was like, okay, this is cool. But I know for me, I need to know strategically how to do this to make it work or I'm going to give up. Like, that's just what it is. And so I went, I transitioned to pescatarian. So I did pescatarian for three months, but then I started doing research on fish and then learned about the mercury. And like at that time, like I wasn't doing no fancy fish. Like I wasn't doing salmon and like all that kind of stuff. I was doing tilapia. And then when I learned about tilapia being a cross-breeded fish, I was like, oh, yeah, that's nasty. I'm, I need to leave this alone. So left that alone, transitioned to vegetarian for three years. And then when I got pregnant, that's when I transitioned fully to vegan. Wow. During your pregnancy. OK, let's talk about that, because I know you said for both of your kids, your babies, you have a three year old and a two year old mm-hmm. and you were had vegan pregnancies for both of those. Now, the reason I think that that's so interesting is because when I was pregnant, I ate a little bit of everything. Like, I don't even know if I could have been vegan <laughs> <laughs> pregnant. So how so how did that look for you? Like, were did you have any issues? Did you feel like you were getting enough food? Obviously, you did if you did it twice, right? You felt like it was good for you. So tell us about that journey. So the first pregnancy, it was really like I had to mentally get myself off of the ice cream. So like... I wasn't big on, it was so weird to me. I wasn't big on drinking cow's milk. Like I was drinking almond milk and all that stuff back then, put it in my granola for cereal. But when it came to ice cream back then, they didn't have the delicious like ice cream alternative. So I'm like, I need ice cream. <laughs> like <laughs> I need it now. And so then it got to a point where my body was just rejecting it. And it's so funny because every time I tell myself that I need to do something, my body reacts like they're the universe is in alignment with like, okay, you said you wanted to do this. Let's get it cracking. And so I got to the point where my body would just reject it. Like my stomach would gas up. Like it would just be terrible. And I'm like, I don't like feeling this way. So I have to let it go. And then as far as my pregnancy with my first child, I had a midwife and her biggest concern for me was iron. Like she didn't care about what I ate. She really loved the fact that I was vegan, like, and, you know, really headstrong about it. But she was like, I just care about you getting your iron in. And so that was kind of like the biggest battle 
at the end, like during the process, like I was eating my leafy greens, I was cooking with cast iron pots. But once I got to, I think it was like my last trimester, at that point, your baby is really like formed, like they're they're about to come. So they're taking up a lot from you. And so during the first two trimesters, my iron was good. She was okay with it. But once it got to that final point, she was like, okay, now we need to introduce a supplement. So she had me on a liquid iron supplement and she kept checking my numbers, just making sure I was good because she didn't want me to bleed. So when it comes to pregnancy and anemia, if you don't get enough iron, your red blood cells aren't doing their job doubling the way they need to, then you could lose a lot of blood during birth, which could, you know, hurt either you or the baby and could potentially die. Wow. So she made sure that you had that. So after you had the liquid supplement, you were okay at that point. Yeah. Okay, that's good. So anything else that you want to share with us as far as a vegan pregnancy? Because I'm sure we have some listeners who are pregnant or maybe they're thinking about getting pregnant soon and they're not sure whether or not this is something that they can do. Like any tips for that? I would say you can do it. Like, and for me, I ate mainly whole food plant-based and on occasion, like I would get craving for fish. And so there's actually a vegan restaurant here. I would go get like a vegan fish sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) to curb that craving but I mean it's for me it it was totally worth it like I with both of my babies I was only belly like I feel like a lot of times in mainstream media it's marketed to pregnant women like oh sit on the couch all day eat ice cream eat donuts you know stuff your face with pickles and it's like no that why are we why is that the narrative and so for me I on I was looking online for a different you know, places and resources for black vegans who were pregnant and nobody did it. Like that, I couldn't see any examples of it. And it's so funny because during that time I was looking for black vegans, I actually found your podcast. So ah. that's a full circle moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But even back then I'm like, I don't see this. And I, I was so scared. Like I really wanted to create that lane, but YouTube was just not my thing. So, you know, neither mm. here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> But like I made sure we walked and we worked out and we lifted weights. And even like my mother-in-law, she was looking at me like I would post videos of me working out on Facebook. She's like, why are you lifting weights in your two and a half months, your your second trimester pregnancy? I'm like, because it's important for me to have a healthy body because once it starts during the pregnancy phase, your baby is getting the benefits of that. And then also once, once they come out, you know, that lifestyle is already set in stone. Yes, yes, that's so true. And I think you just have such a, an advantage in that two babies that are vegan that you're growing, that you raise in vegans. Because for me, my kids, my oldest son was eight when I decided to go vegan. So, <laughs> you know, at that point, he had already he already had a lot of the things that, you know, are not, you know, the standard American diet. So what does a typical meal look like for your, your babies? So I'll say, well, starting from after breastfeeding. So I breastfed my son up until I want to say like five or six months. And then I ended up finding out I was pregnant with my daughter then. <laughs> so my, my, yeah, right. <laughs> Surprise. So my breast milk like totally diminished. And I was actually like, I will say with my son, I was struggling through the breastfeeding journey. Like I wasn't producing enough milk, you know, it was really stressing me out. So I had really had to figure my way through that part of the journey as far as breastfeeding goes. But after, once he got to the four or five months, I made his food from scratch. So we boiled our sweet potatoes. We boiled squash and zucchini, blended it up, different things like that. And I made him hemp milk. 
Because my thing was like, even back when my, my stepmom had her kids, like for me, I never liked the smell of formula. Like it just made me cringe. And I'm like, once I have kids, I know I don't, I personally don't want to use formula for them. And so I had to go to a point where I'm like, okay, well, you need to research and figure out what you can make. And so I found hemp milk that you can make from scratch and I actually have it posted on my reels on my Instagram. But I was like, this is genius. Like I, I can be in control of what they're eating, but also know that it's beneficial to their development and their growth as well. So as far as meals go, now they're toddlers. My daughter is, she's the pickiest girl on earth. Like I just, <laughs> for the life of me, I don't get it. She will not eat any green vegetables, but she'll smash a bag of seaweed. Like I, <laughs> I just, I don't get it. But for instance, like, Last night I made vegan spaghetti and then I did mixed vegetables on the side and then they had water or I'll do like chickpeas. They love curry. So the thing about kids is if you drench anything in sauce, they will eat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's word to the wise. So I do a chickpea and vegetable curry and then I'll do that over rice and I'll have okra on the side. So everything that me and my husband eat, we just make it a smaller portions for them. Like I don't do anything extra, but I will say. My daughter is more of a texture person. And I feel like that was because at three months, I actually went on a trip and left her. And so I had milk saved, but she got so used to the bottle that she didn't want to latch back on when I came back. So I feel like that part of breastfeeding is important because they're tasting different foods through your milk. And so the fact that she didn't really get that full long experience of, you know, tasting different foods, she had to go and discover foods and if she liked it for herself. So that's the main difference between the two. My son, he'll eat anything. Like he's smashing three, four, five plates. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So yeah, of course, I had a vegan pregnancy. And so let's talk about you having your labor and delivery at home. Like, what was that like? Oh my goodness. Girl, I'll say that was the most gangster thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> like <laughs> that's top tier, top notch. My first pregnancy, I had a midwife. I didn't go with a doula because I'm headstrong. So in my case, I felt like, you know, this is the decision I made. I'm going to do it. And that's just that. And so that experience was really dope because, I mean, as a first time mom, I did not know what to expect. Like nobody walked me through what labor looked like, what it was supposed to be, how I was supposed to feel. And so going through that process of seeing how birth goes, I'm like, okay. If I did this again, like I'd be, you know, I'd be open to it because I actually saw a documentary about different types of births. So a birth with midwife and a free birth and, you know, a guided but kind of like an assisted birth at that. And I was like, yo, that's a dope concept, but I need to know what it looks like first. And so when I got pregnant with my daughter, I had it in my mind, but I was so scared. Like I we still like with that birth, we met, we still met with my midwife and she went through like our vitals and, you know, checking the heartbeat of the baby and making sure I was good. But when it came to like really mustering up the confidence to do it, I feel like it was like a sign from God because I had two dreams about me giving birth and she came out in one push and it was easy flowing. And so Mm. it was so crazy to me because one of the dreams I remember specifically was I was in a room and it was all white and I was, I felt the baby moving. I pushed, she came right out in one push. 
And so once my labor started, and it's the craziest thing is I went into labor the exact same time with both of my kids. Oh, Don't wow. know how that happened. Don't know. <laughs> but once I went through the, the motions of it, I realized I was like, okay, I'm like really actually doing this. Okay, let's get it. So my daughter's birth was, my, I mean, her labor was only three hours. My son's was 18 hours. Ooh. So the short, the, the, the fact that her laboring process was shorter, I was like, okay, I'm with this, let's go. So I felt her moving. I felt like, okay, it's time to push. And so when I started going through my contractions, my husband hurried up and rushed downstairs. He got our birthing tub ready. He poured all the water in it. And so I'm literally like inching down the stairs, trying not to throw up because I'm like, this baby is coming. It's coming right now. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. So literally the exact time I got downstairs to get into the birthing tub, 30 minutes later, she was out. Oof. <laughs> like and literally the exact same way I dreamt of it was how she came out. One push and she just flew out like a rocket. And so it's so funny because we actually have a like a free birthing Q&A on YouTube. So it's called Urban Unconventionals Free Birthing. So if you just type that in, it'll come up. And so we answer questions about our process of free birthing and home birthing and just what that looked like and experience. And then we show like a little clip of her being born. Yeah. So, okay. His was so long. Why was his so long? I think just because. Yeah, I think it's because it was first time. And that's one thing that they say. They say first time labor is normally going to be about 12 to 48 hours. So somewhere in between that window. And they always say that the second one comes quicker. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm thinking maybe half that time or maybe like nine hours like I wasn't expecting three <laughs> right <laughs> like everything right. was like boom boom pow I was like okay so what motivated you to do this though like why did you decide that you wanted to have a home birth a free birth that's what's called right free birth yes yes what made you decide that I think the biggest thing for me it goes back to lifestyle and so I've never been one that's big on the hospital and all that kind of stuff and I actually watched the documentary about birthing you know, in totality and just kind of seeing the way that they move and maneuver, especially when it comes to black women in birth. So maternal black health is, is so important. Like, I don't think people really realize what happens and what people go through. And so I, and for me, I didn't want any drugs. Like I did it all natural, no, nothing. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm so squirmy about needles. <laughs> so the, on, on the first side of it, I'm a punk when it comes to needles and all that kind of stuff. But on the flip side was, I just wanted to create an experience for my birth. So like when I had my son, you know, I, my midwife made like a playlist. So we're listening to Common and Solange and Erica Badu. So it's, it's a mood. And I think for women, birthing is such a sacred experience that you have to be in a right setting in mind space for it to go right. And I think a lot of times, and I've heard you just from personal experience from people that, you know, they feel like if they had the opportunity to do home birth, they would because they felt just like a number in a hospital and that things would just move too quickly or that they were kind of tricked into doing things that they didn't want to do. And I did not want to put myself in that position. And so sitting down, having a conversation with my husband about what that looks like, it was so dope to have somebody like on the same team and really understanding like this is something that I want to do and be open minded to what that looks like. Mm. Of course, your children were the motivation, it sounds like, because your pregnancy is what got you to become a vegan. So what changes, I guess, in your lifestyle overall has it has it been in the last several years? But just being vegan, like how has it shifted how you just move in your life? 
And I always tell people it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle because once you start to look at what you're putting in your body, that changes your whole world, or at least it did for me. I'll speak for myself. So my biggest struggle in middle school was drinking water. I could not drink water to save my life because I was so consumed with the sugary drinks. So the Kool-Aids and the sodas and the juices. And so it was very hard for me to get that water intake and not understanding how important that is just for your overall bodily functions. And so once I let go of the meat, then I start paying attention to, you know, packaging and looking at drinks and sugar content and all that stuff. So I'm like, all right, maybe I need to put this down and try to, you know, get back on the water. So I increase my water intake tenfold. Like that's all I drink is water now. If I want something like sweet, I'll drink, I'll treat myself to a sweet tea. But other than that, I'm drinking water like all day, every day. And then as far as like lifestyle goes, I'm heavy, I'm getting back heavy into my meditation. I'll say even like cleaning stuff, like understanding that there's so many toxic things that are around us on an everyday basis that we don't pay attention to. So your toothpaste, your deodorant, your cleaning supplies, and even just all that stuff filters the way you think about life and the way that you move and certain things. Like I'll say that's the biggest thing. Yeah, those are great things. Those were great things. So let's talk about the fact that I feel like I don't know if how long we've been following each other, right? But I feel like over the last, I would say, seven or eight months is when I really, really started paying attention to you. And the reason why is because of the reels. That, I feel like, has really, really helped you come into your own on Instagram. So let's talk about what motivated you to actually start doing reels. Because like I said, we have been following each other, but I don't think I really noticed, not saying I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I really felt like you, you stood out all of a sudden to me. <laughs> so what made you decide to start doing reels on Instagram? Because me and reels, I feel like we're starting to get along, but we didn't get along. <laughs> De'Asia, we didn't get along for a while. Like I it was just like, I don't know why people do this. I can't do this. <laughs> so what about you? Like, why did you decide to start doing them? So it was one of those things where it was like, I literally say it was God pushing me off the ledge. So when TikTok came around, I had people in my DMs, like on Instagram, they were like, girl, you need to get on TikTok. Like TikTok is booming. I really feel like you can get on there with your vegan stuff. Like you should do it. And for me, I'm an introvert. And so I'm like, uh... But y'all do the best online, though. The yeah, introverts but, do the best on the internet. And you know what? <laughs> that's so crazy. It's so funny because that's so true. And so... Everybody was like, you need to do it. You need to do it. So I would get on TikTok and I'm looking at these TikToks and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> the transitions, the creativity. Blah, blah. I'm like, I'm not that creative. I, 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 like y'all look like y'all do a whole set design. Like, I, I don't I don't know what's going on. And so I let fear get in the way of my potential. And I feel like a lot of times we go through different seasons where like, we feel ourselves and we, we can understand and know our value. And then it's other times where it's like we're kind of doubting or we're uncomfortable in a certain way. And so I feel like for the longest on Instagram, like I was stuck at like 3,000 followers because I came from showcasing my modeling on my page to now being more of a resource for budding vegans. And so I feel like I was really in a transition phase of trying to figure out what my niche was. And then I, when I got on TikTok, I would look at, you know, other vegans and I saw a tab of the blow on TikTok and I was just like, what in the world? Like, 
okay, okay, God, I see what you're doing for others. Okay. <laughs> then I got on there and I made like one TikTok and I'm like, I got like, how many views? I maybe got a hundred views on, on my video. And I'm like, man, forget this. I'm not doing this. <laughs> so I just kind of left it alone. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. The transitions on stuff felt confusing to me. I know it's some TikTok stars out there, but I'm like, to me, I'm, I'm such a grandma with this technology. I'm like, I need the bare minimum <laughs> to, to get it together. And so when the, I found out that Instagram released reels, I was like, I really had to sit down and pep and have a pep talk with myself. Like, you know how you got to slap yourself sometimes? Like, mm-hmm. all right, let's, let's get it. So I'm like, all right, here's the opportunity. So understanding how with TikTok, when they were brand new, there was no algorithm at all. So when you put your content up there, it's just boom, 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 boom. Because they're trying to get more people to post and create on there. And so for Instagram Reels, I'm like, okay, this is a new feature. Are you going you gonna to sit back or are you going to ride the wave? Like, what are we about to do? So I remember one day I was making lasagna in my kitchen and I just had to push myself off the ledge. I'm like, all right, either you're going to make it a real right now or you're not going to do it because that's how I got to talk to myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I made a reel, my very first reel on my page. I can go look at it. It was a lasagna reel and I did it through the app. So I press and held the button to the noodles. I press and held the noodles to this, press and held, you know, to that. And I put it all together and I'm like, Okay, I did it. <laughs> That's it. It's, it's done. And so that video, it it has now it maybe has five thousand views. And I wow. did that like four, five, six. No, I don't think it was that long ago. Maybe three and a half months ago. And so for me, I really didn't care about the views. It was more of me putting one foot in front of the other. Because sometimes you just gotta you just gotta jump. You literally just have to jump. And so I kept doing them. I'm like, okay, I'm looking at other people's reels. And I'm like, okay, let me try to put this thing together. So I did a funny reel. So then I had to look at, I have a marketing brain. Like I all, my brain is always on a thousand every single second of the day. That's why I had to start meditating again, the filter. <laughs> <laughs> but I, when I had a concept about something, and I would write it down in my notes or write it down in a notebook. And so I always wanted to figure out, okay, how can I create relatable content that a new vegan will understand or a regular vegan will understand as well, or just even kind of bring about the challenges of veganism in a funny, a funny type of way. And so another reel I did, I had an idea and I was like, all right, so now with the reels, all I'm doing is once I get an idea, I got to execute. That's it. Yeah. So I did a I did a funny one where it was like, when you go to the store and you get some refried beans. Most people don't know that all canned refried beans are not vegan unless it specifies vegetarian because they typically use lard in it. So I literally was about to make tacos and I realized I got one vegetarian one and then one regular one. So I was like, all right, cool. Let me make a real real quick. So it's like a dun, 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 dun. <laughs> And then the end uh, was me finding out was lard on the back. And then I like did the, uh, the Arthur hand, like the fist. And so when people saw that, this one. <laughs> yeah, when people saw that, they were laughing because they was like, they can relate. You go to the store and you buy this and you get home and it, it got lard in it. And so I just kind of felt my groove through it. And then for me, one day I woke up and I was like, when I'm in the kitchen cooking, like I, I feel like food and music is a very spiritual experience. And so when I'm in the kitchen cooking, when I got my good playlist on, oh, it's a wrap. I know the food about to be like, it's about to slap. 
And so I was like, well, let me shoot a dancing video, a kind of like a little dance and then do the recipe and just like kind of see where that goes. And so I did a curry chicken video with oyster mushrooms. And I was like, I just did like a little hair flip because I was trying to find something cute to do for my intros. So I did a hair flip and then I did the recipe. And that thing took off. Mm -hmm. Like it hit 20,000 views. Then it hit 30. Then it hit 40. Then it hit 50. And it just kept going up. And people was commenting. And I was just like, okay, what the heck is going on? Like I, I had never experienced anything like that online. And so I was like, okay, I think I might've found something. Oh yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. And so for me, I had to quickly get out of paying attention to the views because I think for people, they get discouraged when they put out a reel or put out a piece of content and it doesn't perform in the way that they wanted to. So my philosophy is stop trying to go viral and provide value. Your mm-hmm. audience doesn't care about seeing you all over the place. They care about what you, when they come to your page, what are you going to give them? How are you going to add value to their life? And that's always been my personal ministry. So coming from modeling, I'm like, this is fun. I really like doing this, but how can I add value to people's lives? And so when a lot of people start asking about my vegetarian journey or what I eat, then I'm like, okay, well, people are interested to interested in this. Let me go ahead and switch and filter my content to that. And so, yeah, that's, that's literally kind of how the real things went. And then I, I'm a lover of like 1990s and 2000s music. Like I'm in, it, it, that's just my jam. And so my, also another thing for me is I'm very intentional about what I post. And so even when it comes down to my song selection, I know certain, it's a certain demographic that listen to those songs. They remember those songs. So not only am I going to get you to dance when you listen to the reel, I'm going to get you to comment because you remember that nostalgic feeling. But then Mm -hmm. also you're going to see this vegan recipe that's like, whoa, I ain't never seen this before. Exactly. Also, it's the replay value. Go ahead. No, I was going to say you giving them you giving them what they want, but showing them what they need. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's I like I said, I've just played around with it. And then now I'm really like pocketed in my groove. And so like that's the biggest thing with I'll say with the reels, there's no algorithm. So when you're on there, find ways that you can post, but be intentional about posting. Like I feel like a lot of people just post the reel just to say, hey, I did a reel. Like, no, 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 no. People want to be educated, they want to be inspired, they want to be informed, or they want to be entertained. And so finding a way to get at least three of the four is 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 golden. So even mm-hmm. like the one I just posted the other day, a tip for trying to figure out content is you can look at something that's viral. And so now Instagram, they're slowly but surely kind of working in the grooves and pockets of different things for us to do. But you can now save audio. And so there was a viral thing that I saw. I call it the dance song from Fresh Prince. (laughs) And so (laughs) I was like looking at the video and I'm like, oh my God, this is so cute. And so when I see certain things, either I'll be inspired by something on Instagram or I'll get like a song. I'll hear a song on the radio when I'm in the car and I'll write it down, but then figure out what topic I can add to that song in a fun kind of way. And so Mm -hmm. when you save the audio, you can, when you're making your reel, you can use that audio instead of trying to find a different song. And so for that reel, I'll just go through the process of how I do it. The easiest way for y'all to not get frustrated with reels is to record it from your phone camera. 
Don't try to go in the app and hold the button down. Don't do it. Oh, that's <laughs> a good tip. Don't yeah. do it. And I, like I said, my very first reel was me going through and holding the holding the button down in the app. Don't do it. So go through like if you have say for instance, I'll go. I'll just go through this process of the the recent reel I did. So I saw the video and it was a husband and wife and it was like everybody dance now. So the dude was sitting on the couch. He got he threw his phone down and started dancing. So for me in my mind, when I started recording a video, all I use for my reels is my wall. I don't use a backdrop. I set my phone up on my tr- my ring light and I use my wall and I just hope I put my phone up. I set it up. I turn the light on and I go stand up against the wall and I do my thing. And so I got up and I start dancing. I was like, OK, well, let me figure out some old school dances. So I press record. I start dancing. All right. Then I turned it off. And the thing about my dances is I always do a bunch. <laughs> so there's like 30 <laughs> videos of me dancing because I need to go through and just get the energy out. And then I'll go back and see which one I felt performed the best. So then I was like, OK, how can I kind of break this up? Because I did my intro standing up. But then I also was like, OK, well, maybe I could sit down and act like I'm on my computer. So I sat down, recorded myself, and then I did the intro part. And then after that, I got up and I was like, all right, cool. I think I got it. So I'll go through after I record everything, I'll go through and I look at it like a music producer. So and I think it's for me, it's so calculated because my husband is a music producer. Okay, <laughs> so when okay. I watch him through his process, like that's literally the way that I approach my reel. So I'm finding adult music. If I'm feeling it and I'm in there, then I get to it. And then I go through the recording process of actually shooting the content. And then I, after I feel like I, I've gotten a couple of good shots, I'll sit down and edit it. And so the thing about Instagram now, they have either 15 seconds or 30 seconds. So you can choose however long you want your video to be. But once you have all your videos in your camera roll, all you're doing is plug and play. So you plug it in. And if you want to edit, if you want to like, make it shorter or make it longer. You do that. And then you go to the text and add in the words. And so with the words, you can actually filter how long they're going to be on a certain slide. Mm. And so that's, that's literally it. And it's so funny because that morning that I made this reel, I was actually going to do like a, I think it was like a P Diddy song. So I went through four or five different songs and then I didn't even end up using any of those. I used something completely different. But even with that, people are still commenting. I think that that video hit like 20, this one hit like 10, it just hit 10,000 last night. But people commented because they're like, oh, shoot, like, I love your dance. Or they're just laughing at it because it's funny. Like, when you create a reel, you want people to engage. So you want people to share it. You want people to comment on it. And you want people to, like, feel something. When I made that reel, I could not stop watching it. Like, I literally watched it a hundred times. <laughs> and so many people were like DMing me like, yo, I cannot stop watching it because it's so funny. But there goes your views. So when you have something that's either funny or entertaining, or even you m- mesh the both together, you're going to have that replay value. And then also with the reels, they go straight to the explore page. So once you get those instant views and you get the instant comments, they're going to keep showing your stuff on the explore page to the millions and billions of users that's on there every single second of the day. Mm, 
I love it. Because you do have the perfect format. I feel like you're, it's really smart that you show your face. I think that's what stood out to me. Yeah. I feel like only people who weren't showing their faces were the ones. I feel like in the vegan community, a lot of people were just showing the food. But it's really smart exactly. that you show your face. You got the music. You got the good food. It's like a, it's just like a perfect blend, a perfect format. And that's why when I talked to you, I was just like, I feel like I'm seeing people out here do- doing it too. But they're not doing it like you. They're trying, <laughs> they're trying to do it, but it's, it's not coming out the it's same not. way. Yeah. But then also to piggyback on that is I feel like people have to be authentic to them. And so me and my husband will always have conversations because I'm like, dude, you need to get online. You need to get online. He's like, like he's he's so not in that world. But I like being an introvert. I'm like, OK, I don't have to be around people. I'm in my own space. I really can like go like go ham because <laughs> nobody's mm-hmm. watching me. Nobody's around. So it's like I'm you know in my own little world. But you have to be authentic to you. And so that's another, uh, I'm glad you pointed that out because I would look and see people like in the vegan community or even just food, I only say vegan community, just food, period. They would, yeah, just period. Post, yeah, they would just post the food. And I'm like, food does not have a personality. When people come to your page, they want to feel like they know you. They want to feel like they like you. You know, they, that trust factor needs to build. And so my thing was like, well, if I'm just so, showing food, like people don't, they're not going to really know who I am. They can get and, that from anywhere. Yeah, like they can get that from anywhere. And so for me, it was like, okay, I love to dance. Like I love, like I'm, when it, when, when the music come on, I'm going to jam. And so mm-hmm. I know there's people that can relate to that, that they love old school music or they just love to dance and be in their own world. But also it's authentic to me. Like I naturally, when a song comes on that I love, like this morning, I was, before we got on this call, I'm in the bathroom jamming. And my husband is like, what? <laughs> but you you have to find what's authentic to you because one thing I know for sure and two things I know for certain is you're not going to get blessed with the opportunities that are for you if you're not being authentic to yourself. And so there may be things that come, you may, you know, find yourself, you know, getting opportunities or whatever, but it's not going to be long-term if you're not true to you, because you're going to have to feel like you're performing or stepping out of yourself to be like something else. And so for me, like, this is who I am. Like, and that's, I feel like that's really why it's, it has taken off because I can't, I can't be like anybody else. I don't know how. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. I, I, really, I can only be me. So that's important. Being authentic to you and figuring out what your thing is, you're really going to see like some results. I love it. I'm loving. I'm just so thankful that you, for you, that you came into your own this year and that this has been something that's been like a lot of fun for you. And not only that, but you wrote an ebook too, that like the ultimate beginner guide and recipe book. So tell us about that. Like, why did you decide to write that book? So again, back to my brain dumps. <laughs> when Corona started, me and my family went on like, I was calling a sabbatical in Colorado. So we went to the mountains because we just kind of needed to debrief from a lot of the stuff that was going on in the news. And, you know, just, it was a lot. So during that time I was working part-time at a restaurant because I, at that time I was trying to figure out if I wanted to dive into the food industry, like as far as cook and become a chef and all that stuff. And one thing about me is I'm going to try something. Like I'm going to try it and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to see if I like it versus not trying it at all. And then wonder what it is. So during that time I, I was cooking, I would make vegan plates and I would sell them, but I'm like, this is fun and all. But for me, cook, like I said, cooking is a spiritual experience. So if I feel like too much pressure on me, like to do something or, you know, 
I, I, I don't want to do it. <laughs> so for me, I've always been in a space where if I can just share my information with people and that can help them, that's fine. Plus, if I give you the recipes, you cook it yourself. <laughs> so now I don't got to cook it. So now during that time, I did a plant-based grocery guide. And then I started the foundings of the ultimate beginner's guide and the recipe ebook. And so the biggest thing was, I feel like a lot of people struggle with the mindset. They struggle with the what and the how. And so I wanted to create digital resources that people could get to help them through that. So like when you go to the grocery store, a lot of people don't understand like, the grocery store is set up and it is in an intentional way for you to shop and spend more. And so kind of focusing on debunking the myths of veganism is all the information that I put into my ebooks. So when people think, oh, veganism is expensive or it's boring, or I hear a lot of people say, oh, I went vegan for a week or a month and I just couldn't do it. And I always try to figure out, okay, well, what's the hang up? Because I feel like for me, like I said in the beginning, I was a carpetarian. And so if I didn't go back and get switched back to plant-based and really understanding like, okay, if you call yourself vegan, like you need to be eating fruits and vegetables. Like you can't just eat pasta all day. So going back and understanding that, I'm like, that's very critical for people to get and grasp the mindset of it. And I feel like that's what a lot of people don't talk about. Like they'll just give you a recipe. Say, okay, you can make these. But if people don't understand that, Okay, if my friends and my family don't understand my lifestyle, how do I navigate through that? Or if I feel like I'm alone on this journey, what can I do to make me not feel alone? Because those are the biggest things why people revert back. It's like they feel like they don't have the support or they don't have the resources or they feel like it's too expensive. And so my goal is to debunk all those myths. And then online, of course, make it entertaining for you to look at and just be open and receptive. Because I understand a lot of people aren't going to become vegan. Like I'm not vegan police. (laughs) And I feel like even in the beginning of my journey, I would see a lot of vegans who were so mean. And I think think people have to, and especially as vegans and being like content creators and, and being like a resource and a light to people, you have to understand that it's a journey. So just the same way that you wanted that care along your journey, you have to extend that same grace to other people. And so that's that's super important to me. Like, I don't care if you if you go vegan for a week, for a month, for a year, whatever, as long as you open your mind up to trying something new and just exploring a healthier alternative to things. That's the biggest thing for me. I love it. I love it. Before we wrap up, let us know where we can follow you on Instagram so we can check out the reels if people don't know yet and tell us where we can buy your book. So I'm on Instagram at DeAsia Jones. So it's D-I-Y-A-S-H-A and then Jones, J-O-N-E-S. All of my information is in my bio. So I have all my links to the plant-based grocery guide, to the ebook, the recipe ebook, and then also my health products too. Yes. Well, thank you. It was such a pleasure having you on the podcast. I really appreciate it, Sharon, because I I learned a lot, especially about reels. I think the biggest takeaway I got was that not to feel like I have to film it right in the app and I can actually use it on my phone and edit it down because I think that's going to save me so much time. Knowing Girl, that I'm <laughs> telling you, because I and the thing about it is also don't feel like like I feel like a lot of people they they try it and they get frustrated. Like YouTube, go to YouTube. That's literally what I did. I would go look at people's stuff and I'm like, well, how the heck did they do that? And then YouTube, there's a lot of YouTube creators who are trying, of course, trying to get more views, but educating people on how to use these new features. And I think one person from my page asked about developing content. So the same thing 
I think I kind of covered it a little bit in the beginning, but you did, yeah. Brain dump, but then also somebody asked about gifts. And so the thing about social media and being having an online presence is people, like I said, they want to feel like they know you. They want to feel an experience. And so when I made the gifts, I saw like a whole bunch of people making reels about how to make my own gift. And I was like, okay, let me see if I can do this. And then I made it and I was like, wow, this is cool. But so many people commented in my DMs on the gifts. They was like, oh my God, girl, you got your own gift. Like to them, they're now embraced in the experience because you're doing something a little different than they're used to seeing. And so mm-hmm. that builds that community up more. But if you just YouTube, like how to make your own gift for Instagram, like it'll pull up and it's, it's super easy to make, but it's just all about having a personal touch to your personal brand to stand I out. I love it. I love it. I, I, it is new. I've seen that. And I was like, wait, I asked one of my friends, my friend Shauna, because she's like so tech savvy. I was like, can you make me one? She was like, yeah, I got you. I've seen a few people use it and I really like it. So it's, yes. It's super easy. Like you you should definitely make one. <laughs> Thank you. I will. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. And I will talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. All of the show notes will be at brownvegan.com. So check those out. Also, let me know what you thought of this episode. Come hang out with me on Instagram. My handle over there is at brownvegan. Have a great day and I will talk to you next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.